Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a podcast of Building 28 Church and Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, where we confront the fallacies and fantasies of modern Christianity with courage, conviction, and compassion and sorcery. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Kern, and joining me today is the other host, the lawyer of Building 28, Peter Tragos. Hey, I, th- that's fine. This that is going to be awesome. This is going to be a weird podcast, so we might as well start it out like that. We've got superpowers with us today. I'll do the intros today, Aaron. I'll All take right. care oh, of that. I love this. Superpowers. Hello. Adam Powers. Pastor, Good to be here. Still don't Sunrise. like the name. Pastor. Doesn't like the name. He's a humble guy, but we're it's not going away because he's super and we love him. Pastor of Sunrise. Not as super as the guy over here, though. We have the man, the myth, the legend making his out of Oz podcast debut. He's usually the man behind the curtain. Hi guys. He's the wizard. The wizard. Of Oz. Yeah. Oh, man. No All attention. worlds are colliding right now. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> right? you just, that just clicked, right? <laughs> the wizard. You yes. did that. We too. got him. It came from you. Uh, man. They uh, call this, me Super Trago sometimes. This is going to be a bizarre. And by bizarre, we mean absolutely wonderful. You might need to pull over and just listen to every this single word. This will be the best episode we've ever done. Totally. Also, the one if you want to skip, go ahead and just skip. <laughs> okay. And he is so negative today. Um, but we have Jeff. I feel like he needs a little bit more introduction. Of, he's our media director here. He is. He's been working out for the last two and a half weeks. Super swole. Look, I was flexing there. It was leg day yesterday, so he's got one boot up on the table here. Um, so uh, he's anyway. my CEO and pastor. And if you can't tell, if you're watching, Jeffrey feels much more comfortable behind the camera than in front of it. So, well, just so you know, there was a uh, the person that was supposed to be here got sick, so I am a last second shoe in, but I'm happy to be here. Thanks for being with yeah. us, Jeff. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We're, we're ecstatic to have you. Yeah. So I'll, I'll turn the I'll turn the bus back over the the uh, night bus back over Keys. to you. Um, the short Peter. bus is more like it. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's definitely the night bus. Um. Okay. So today we're talking about Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, and should Christians waste their time reading Harry Potter? That is a terrible way to frame this question. Oh, is that not how you framed it? Sorry. Should Christians read Harry Potter? That's that's my bad. Okay. <laughs> um. And I guess we're gonna we're gonna focus on Potter, but we'll talk about just fantasy literature fantasy in general. And, yeah, should it be should or should it be can? Because should's like telling people that We've they should watch it multiple times. I think it should be like can Christians? Aaron writes them specifically and purposefully would be my guess. And sometimes it says can should might give away the answer of the majority of us. Can might be a better way to leave that one out. See, I disagree. I think it's opposite. Because I should you're saying everyone should watch it. Right. Yeah. Want, a Christian has to watch. Yeah. It. That's the Who question. They should. should they? That's and it's just wait till we get to our talking points. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, Danny Van's confused. Jeff, She's you. behind the camera today, and she looks confused already. So here we so go. Let, let's just get to it, okay? Jeff, I know it's hard for you because you're used to hosting and, and driving the bus, but today I'm driving. Do it. I'm going at my speed. Okay. And the question is: Should Christians read Harry Potter? Okay. If you're too slow, I'm jumping in. I'm happy to. I just can't wait. I've never wanted a co-pilot more. Um, okay, so when we talk about Harry Potter and these fantasy books, Aaron, why don't you just start talking about what are the legitimate <laughs> arguments that are that You're this really is beneficial this, <laughs> that this is beneficial for for Christians, capital C Christians. Okay. I just want to apologize to our viewers and listeners for Peter's lack of passion on this subject. He is an attorney, I'll remind you. They live in a very black and white world. Uh, world of fact and fiction only. So I'm, I would like to defer to Jeffrey because he is the one who has the objections. Look, here, here's the reality in all seriousness. There are many Christians, there's a groundswell of Christianity, particularly when the books were first written and the movies first came out, yeah. that would say, you should not, Christians should have no part in this. Deuteronomy and Ephesians speak very clearly about this. They should have no part in this. And so there are still Christians who, A, are against it. And there are also Christians be that they read it, but they cannot justify why they would read or why they would watch these movies. So Jeffrey, what are some of the legitimate reasons perhaps that you feel 
So you flipped the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I asked you, what are the reasons I feel like that you were across disingenuous? No, if I'm I being serious. Me. Like, well, why do you think what is beneficial okay. about Harry Potter? But we can start with the negatives if you want. Oh, whoa, you're, you're saying that's okay. what I'm trying to say. Listen to the yeah, questions. Yeah, start with the positive. Okay, yeah. Hey, I'll start. I was giving you the first shot. Okay, I'll, I'll like let's start with them then. So, C.S. Lewis, who when we're talking about Harry Potter, we're really talking about a realm of fantasy in general. So, if I think if you're going to be consistent and you say we can't read Harry Potter, then you really should say we, we shouldn't read Lord of the Rings, even Chronicles of Narnia, because there is that deep magic throughout these, woven throughout all of these. But not um, Yeah, witchcraft. totally disagree with okay. that. Okay, okay, hold on, hold okay, on. Okay. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there, because I want to say this, in case I forget. If we're going to use the word witchcraft and we're going to condemn it, we need to make sure that the witchcraft being written up by Rowling or by Tolkien is the biblical witchcraft that is condemned in Scripture. Spells, dark arts, sorcery. In scripture, witchcraft is from an outside source that either inhabits the person or influences the person. It is not an internal like Superman superpower that is is already is already within the person. So that there's a there's a huge difference, and I think this is I think it's very important. There's a huge difference between occultic influence, which comes from without and infiltrates or influences the person, and a mythical magic that a person is born with, an ability a person is born with, which is what Harry Potter speaks of, that is not, I would argue strongly, it's not in line with any biblical definition, even though they use the word witchcraft or wizardry, it's not in line with any biblical definition that pertains to sorcery or witchcraft. And that case has been made by many. Like I I don't see that. So with that being said, and we can return to it, that's fine. You can continue to argue that. But when when I look at C.S. Okay, go back to C.S. Lewis for a second, because I think it's important. Um, C.S. Lewis said great literature trains people in stock responses, smuggles the gospel and baptizes the imagination. And I think Harry Potter, as well as Lord of the Rings, as well as the works of Milton, as well as C.S. Lewis stuff, um, does all Andrew Peterson stuff, um, even though he doesn't necessarily like allegorical writing. Um, modern authors like Andrew Peterson, they do this. They bat, like we need a rebaptism of imagination, I believe, because there are things that can be envisioned, things that can be imagined that help us to understand deep and intrinsic biblical truths. I think works like, once again, if we want to say Harry Potter, they draw out an understanding specifically for kids and teenagers of the gospel that that might be harder to frame out just if you're just speaking kind of didactically um, instead of imaginatively or illustratively or allegorically. That's why the Pilgrim's Progress is so famous is because it helps people to understand deep and intrinsic truths in a colorful way where they can it actually registers for them. And Harry Potter does that. As a matter of fact, Rowling actually said um, to me, speaking about J.K. Rowling, the, it's Rowling, not Rowling. Rowling uh, I Rowling. say Rowling, but okay. she's British, so I don't know. Yeah, she's British. Um, but she who is a professing Christian. Throw another shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> That's, That's Australian. British. That's why he's here. Totally That's why he's here. Okay. Um, <laughs> Rowling, Rowling says, to me, the religious parallels have with, with Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm no, trying. bring it. I'm bring it. Sorry. Bring the quote. She says, the religious parallels with Harry Potter and the gospel have always been obvious, but I never wanted to talk too openly about it because I thought it might show people who just wanted the story where we were going. Hmm. And it's been pointed out by so many scholars, so many theologians, the symbolism, there's so much gospel symbolism in Harry Potter. Um, Rowling herself says she doesn't believe in magic. She doesn't believe in sorcery. Like she doesn't believe in that kind of stuff. She's using it as a prop to tell a bigger story about good and evil, about the, the final and ultimate defeat of evil. If you read the books, which I know a lot of people have not, you get to number seven and she quotes various scripture verses in that, one of which is on the, the tombstone of Harry's parents who have died. And it is that first Corinthians 15 passage of the final enemy to be defeated is death. Yeah. And so there are all these gospel religious overtones throughout. So those are the arguments I would make, just some of the arguments I would make. Um, Adam, superpowers. I know you've got more. So, so let's add let's some talking into this because we've just lumped it all together here with fantasy literature. The one gigantic objection that I've received, I don't know if Jeff, you're going to bring this, but it's escapist. You're just trying to escape I enjoy real life, I think, to quote Peter right over here from our previous weeks of conversation. I do enjoy real life. But I 
see you there and raise you to this. This is Tolkien. I call. Fantasy <laughs> Fantasy is escapist, and that is its glory. If a soldier is imprisoned by the enemy, don't we consider it his duty to escape? If we value the freedom of mind and soul, if we're partisans of liberty, then it's our plain duty to escape and to take as many people with us as we can. So normally what, what he's getting at, the word escape is used in a very positive aspect. Yet somehow when we come around to this conversation, it turns to a negative and yet we should remain to keep it positive. And Tolkien goes all over the place and so does Rowling and so does Lewis with the Narnian Chronicles that yes, we escape, but we don't remain in the escaped world. We're refreshed, we're reinvigorated, and we re-enter reality refocused uh, with a sharper clarity, a more invigorated soul. I would almost argue that what fantasy is for Aaron and I is something else for you too, whether it's the Vikings or lack thereof uh. <laughs> or something else. I think what we find there, many other people find uh, in other things. So it's not like we're the fantasy guys who do like to do this. It's that every person who's ever lived does escape into something that they tend to refresh themselves with. It's just, is those things, sorry, are those things healthy or not? Would you like to start, Jeff? Aaron, you've, 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 you guys have said enough. Okay, this is well, an uphill battle. This is an uphill battle for Jeff and I. I wanted to conclude just with, the, with this. Anybody who's read the books, I think, anybody who's maybe watched the movies, but obviously reading the books um, is, is, a, is a different level there of dedication to it. I think they come away not with a deep and abiding belief in sorcery and even magic, but they come away with an understanding that the books primarily are not even about those things. Those things are props. They're Magic's used, not the main. They're, they're, no, they're yeah. primarily about loyalty, courage, friendship, devotion to one another. Themes that, if I'm honest, have been lost in our secular society. I'm going to object. This is cumulative. You've already said all this. Okay, I'm just, we, we heard all this. I'm, Jeff. Going, to, I'm going to object. Yeah. Anyway, these yeah. things, no, but my, my, my point, really quick, my point was these are in a secular society. We have lost sight of this. I would, I would argue that watching friends or watching the office is far more dangerous to the soul of a Christian than reading. But that's not like the this. topic today. Okay. I'm just saying, but I think we can, we can talk about a lot of that. So, cause I, I can make as many similarities with that as you did between Narnia and Harry Potter, but go ahead, Jeff, you start. Some people would say that it is glamorizing witchcraft. And it's kind of taming something that's demonic and it's kind of elevating it and putting it before children and putting it before kids. Something that the Bible condemns as demonic and has been an issue in church history. And we are just, you know, throwing a bow on it and some glitter and saying, look, it's really cute. It's really cool. And it's good versus evil. Yeah. So which could be a slippery slope to people then researching it and going down that. Right. That there, there is satanic witchcraft. There is evil witchcraft. There is sinful witchcraft, right? Wasn't that a question from one of the listeners? Is magic real? Yeah, the actual um, we have a we have an an actual question here from one of our listeners. Is magic real? The magic of Harry Potter. How does that? How is that different from the supernatural events we see in scripture? So we'll get to that as yeah, well. But. We'll get to it. But let me okay okay let me finish. So so there that evil does exist in the world. And can we t can we talk about that and how that how people actually conjure up that demonic stuff, that witchcraft, like what is witchcraft? Ouija boards, all sorts of stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah. We, we can talk about that, but for now, just let me finish this line, this line of thinking. So you're allowed. That, that does exist. And you cannot say that Harry Potter has not made that more streamlined, more mainstream, I think is what I meant, not streamlined, more mainstream, more normal, more acceptable, uh, more glamorous. Okay. That's, that's number one. Number two, the dark magic, evil, scary nature of Harry Potter is not necessarily something that kids should be ingesting because it's targeted at kids, at kids, right? I mean, sure. she wrote the books when Harry was young and you read one when you're this age and whatever. That's what I've heard. I haven't read the books. Seen of course the movies. not. Seen the movies and talked to plenty of weirdos who have read the books. Um, that was a, a common joke. theme here. That Those who have like it. If you're a weirdo and you're one of those watching or listening who's read the books, so Adam, just let Adam me and I are weirdos with you, okay? So. As is my anyway. wife. So, so let me just Finish though, because I I think can they read the books? Fine, yeah, Christians can read the books, but should right? And 
powers. I want I want him to use his super hearing here and, and listen. So John Piper would be with Jeff and I on this argument. Um, All our that best theologians are wrong somewhere. There is a finite amount of time, capacity, oh, yeah. bandwidth that we have. And to read the seven monstrosities that are the Harry Potter series and to advise or suggest that Christians should do that, I think is not the right answer to this. I think there are far better things for Christians to read. Might I push back on this? You can, but okay. when you get more time, as you guys had, I think, 25 minutes well, to start a presidential debate. Um, <laughs> so, and I, and Wrong. the difference I find in Harry Potter and dark magic and the worlds of Harry Potter and witchcraft and, and, you know, worshiping serpents, which, what was the, I wonder what the, the connection was there. Ooh. Um, so. That's bad, actually, in the book. That's so. Evil. Okay, so the difference between that and watching sports or playing golf or enjoying the outdoors or even enjoying a glass of wine or whatever it is you like to do, that is different. That is teetering on satanic worship, occultic things, things that are not necessary in my opinion as opposed to enjoying the outdoors, playing a sport or hanging out with your kids or whatever it may be. I also think there's a huge distinction between Narnia which is obviously set up to be a biblical allegory and Harry Potter. Personally. Wrong. Okay, that, that, that's fine. Sorry, All right, can't. all right, Donald, just <laughs> take, take it easy. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> he's dying. Um, so so I, I just think there's a huge difference. And I don't think there's a big difference between friends and Harry Potter. As they get older, relationships start coming into play and you know things start coming into play that maybe parallel to the things that happen in friends. It's more adult. Friends is more adult. I get that. But I do think there are parallels with that too on what should we watch, what should we read, and what should we be putting into our minds and, and eyes. Okay, go ahead. I don't, I don't want to be dismissive. So, so That's I, your best quality. I, I, I'm, 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 laughing, I'm, laughing at, I'm laughing at Adam. I'm also lamenting the fact that our friendship just ended, Pete. It was only real in your imagination. <laughs> which, is a, which is a thing. Um, okay, so Piper. Love John Piper. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's going to comply, I've got his whole works right there. The whole collected set. If you've read one Piper book, you've, you've read, read them, all. them all. You've read them all. Okay. That's almost every pastor theologian I talk to says. Ouch. It is all about the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all people. Like that, that's Piper. And he, yes, there's a little bit of nuance to it, but you read his books. And so if he's going to argue that I should be reading his 27 books on the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all people, instead of reading books that unleash the imagination and help um, help me as well as especially my children, but we're living in such a visual age to, to I'm all for reading Jonathan Edwards. Uh, you know, I'm all for, you know, reading Spurgeon, like who was very allegorical in his preaching. Um, but I also think it's, it's incredibly important to not, to not dismiss literature that is not solely theological, um, kind of an epistle of, of, in a sense of, of laying out systematic theology. Those are important. But we are we are completely at liberty to read other stuff. And yes, we all have limited time, but we are completely at liberty to read other literature. And so Which I would hope- answer the question, is it a sin to read Harry Potter, which I think we would all agree. I don't know if Jeff would agree, but we I would say no, it's not a sin to read Harry Potter. But as Jeff well, is, so astutely it pointed is out, the question is, should Christians read Harry Potter? It, it, it can be. It could be. Well, uh, yeah, it's certainly for individuals. If it goes against your conscience, and I think that's important, sure. Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8 through 10, Galatians 6, like if, if in your conscience you have a check and you say, I can't read this because of X, and typically it's going to come back to that demonic occultic element. Um, Which I you would say is different than enjoying sports or, you know, playing something outside or playing with your kids. Like you would agree that's a difference. Yeah. Yes. I, I do think there is a difference. Uh, and Adam, you might disagree. I think there's a difference in that. Uh, I think there's a difference in many things. Um, I think that, that almost everything we do is catechizing us. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so when you watch major sports today, you're, you're being catechized, you're being indoctrinated, whether you realize it or not, or especially more impressionable people and children are being indoctrinated by the systems and ideologies that this world espouses. When you read some, and, and I would say when you watch something, and by the way, I liked Friends when it was on in the 90s and I was a huge I, I was too young for Friends, sorry. Yeah, yeah I know. Danny oh, Van right, doesn't right, even know what we're talking about. Danny, that's, yeah, that's right, Danny. Um, She's like, I have Friends. <laughs> yeah, I, I have Friends. Um, and I love The Office and I still watch The Office. They got the Blu-ray set for Christmas. Like, I love that. But there's definitely an argument to be made and 
I have no problem watching Harry Potter with my children. I would not watch The Office with my kiddos because I think that there is a there is a worldview behind everything that's made. And Rowling says what her worldview is, is that she wants to communicate gospel themes in literary form. That is clearly not the aim. It, I'm just saying that's that's what the author is saying. That is clearly not the aim. Authorial of, intent of matters. so many so much of media today. So many movies, so many TV shows. That's not the intent of them. And I think that's important that we acknowledge this, that like you can very easily, as much as I like, you can watch The Office and come away with a worldview that so many ideas, so many perspectives that the Bible would say are wrong are right. In that, that if somebody's watching The Office or or Netflix, movies on Netflix, and yet they're condemning Harry Potter, there just needs to be a check in conscience um, and in consistency to say, why am I okay with this? I mean, so that's one of the things that I would I would point out. I do think there's a difference. Um, hobbies, interest, going outside, doing things with your kids. But I also think when I try to explain to my son what courage is, it's much easier to do that in story form mm -hmm. than by definition. Okay. And that would be an answer to, could there be benefits to Harry Potter? Sure. And the answer is yes. Go ahead. Super. So you brought up John Piper. You quoted John Piper with a... Uh, I'm not sure if I quoted him, but I said yeah. he'd be on my team. And okay, you said he'd be on his team. <laughs> but brought up his phrase that, you know, we only have a finite amount of time. There's only so many books. Why race, what waste it? You know, the things. Well, in another book John Piper wrote called Alive to Wonder celebrating the influence of C.S. Lewis, Piper makes the argument over like 10 or 12 chapters why of all the finite time we have, Lewis should be one of the authors that you choose to read. He didn't say J.K. Rowling though. Yeah, including, I know. And you, guys, you guys equating including Lewis Narnia. And Wait, hold on, hold on, I'm getting there. Okay. Getting there. Including Narnia, which has the element in it from the mouth of Aslan, the deep magic that can defeat death and evil that it doesn't even know about. It certainly has okay. sorcery. It sor certainly never mentions Jesus. Oh, that's but never mentions the gospel. The, is evil. It's like obviously that Magic, they're though. condemning it. Where Harry Potter, it's like elevating it and saying As this is beautiful. Aslan uses the deep magic to conquer evil. Yeah. The just like, just like the Harry Holy Potter. Spirit. Just like Harry Potter. <laughs> We're saying that if you say you can't do one, you shouldn't do any of it. And we're saying that you're saying no to one and yes to the other is a contradiction. Disagree. I, I, I mean, I just don't think that Narnia and Harry Potter are the same. Do you think Lord of the Rings is more like Narnia or more like Harry Potter? Harry Potter. Okay. So you would say no on Lord of the Rings then? Correct. I, when you say no, I'm saying like if you want to read that or watch those movies, fine. I've watched those movies. I've wasted hours of my life watching them, but that's not oh something I would gosh. say... Like this is something every Christian keep your needs fuck to do. Tongue behind your teeth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, it makes you want to fight people and stuff, man. That's from Lord of the Rings, Gandalf. all those battles. Whatever, I don't even know. Okay, so, so let's get to some questions. Do you think there's anything wrong with watching movies like what are what are some demonic movies? Paranormal Activity, mm. um, the Exorcist movies. The Exorcist is a little different, I think, but sure. Okay, The, the Exorcists, Marvel. No, not Marvel. I'm talking about demonic movies. With, uh, with obvious demonic activity, glamorized, mm -hmm. Hollywood style. No, thank you. Do you that think that there's- show, Lucifer? Sure. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's any issues with those kinds of shows? Okay, so I haven't seen Lucifer. Um, I, I would not take issue. I can understand why somebody would. They don't want to open themselves up to- Is there um, is there legitimacy to that, to opening yourselves up, to letting this enter your world and come in your head, and now you're thinking about it, you're looking for it, you're scared? Sure, I think for some people there there is. Um, I, I think for- the, the thing about the exorcism of Emily Rose or paranormal activity or, you know, certain things is there's not a glamorization of that evil, at least not for your normal rational thinking person. Like, but an enjoyment of it. Okay. I'm you can, entertaining you, myself with demonic activity. Okay. And that argument can be made, and I understand that, and some people make that. I think as I look at it, to me, it is a um, – it's not – I mean, why am I watching it? To me, it's it's more of a – taking in knowledge, reminding myself that this exists, reminding myself of, of the, the triumph that Christ has accomplished over the forces of evil in Colossians 2. So like, I get why people wouldn't do that. And I'm not saying I enjoy those movies. I don't watch them very frequently, but um, to, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a check in my conscience for watching them because I'm not, it's not tempting me to go out and toy with demonic infiltration um, or influence. 
I think I think the argument be made by most people that Harry Potter is very different than those um, for better or for worse in that evil is very one sided in those movies and it's condemned. It's it's something that you look at in The Exorcist, Exorcist Emily Rose, and you're going, I want no part of that. The argument would be made is if you look at Harry Potter, people could be saying, I do want a part of that, of the good side of magic, the good side of witchcraft and wizardry and sorcery. And um, and so I think there's a different there's a, a stark difference in my mind between a historical reality or loose historical reality like the exorcist or Emily Rose, that these are based on true events that took place. And they're very clearly, as you watch the movies, they're very clearly wrong and evil and and insidious. And then you watch Harry Potter, and while Lord Voldemort is very clearly evil and insidious, um, the danger could be that our children look at Harry Potter and Ron and Hermione and go, I want to be a wizard. I want to be a witch. I want to practice magic like they do. So I think it's I just an additional layer. Sure. But I, I, don't, think think, those I don't think there's different a, issues. So yeah. would you sit down and watch, let's say Jesus is over your house, mm-hmm. okay, and he's on the couch. Would you say, hey, let's do a, a Harry Potter marathon and sit and watch Harry Potter with them all seven. Let me flip this. Let me ask you this. You're, Jesus at your house. Yeah. Well, what's weird well, is I, my answer would be yes. I yeah, have yeah, no problem I, I watching I would, Harry I would Potter 100% with Jesus. Yeah. So, so then, send an answer. Don't, I would 100% don't say yes. <laughs> I, know, I, I know you're a big yes office. flip. I know you're yeah. a big office. But it's not should Christians watch The Office. No, no, I, I get that. But what yeah, I'm saying yeah. is I'm trying to draw it uh, that there are Christians out there who will watch things that if they're honest, I think they would say, I would not be comfortable watching this in front of Jesus. Yeah. For a different reason, though. I'm saying with Harry Potter because of witchcraft and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's about influence. Sure. At the end of the day, it's about what am I going to be influenced toward? How is this going to shape my worldview? What is it instructing me in? So would you watch it? I would have no problem watching Harry Potter. I think there, the argument can be made there would be a check with a lot of other things that we normalize, especially things that we normalize while condemning something that is fantastic. Would you watch paranormal activity being entertained by demonic activity with your popcorn? And would you watch that with Jesus? Well, I'd, I'm not. I'm not really entertained by it, and I don't eat popcorn while I'm watching it. But yeah, I don't watch um, it. Let's, let's let's change the conversation a little bit. So w- one of the reasons, same same <laughs> conversation, but a different line. I'll say paranormal activity. I would have no problem watching anything I watch with Jesus. Let's just start with that. Because I don't mind watching, like, if it's violence and cussing and whatever, like, real world cop show, whatever. I care about that. Like, Jesus. Realistically, he he is already there. It's that's not what if. I'm saying. Right. He's present with us. And that's my but point. It's a little it's more like, real. He's sitting right there. It doesn't make any difference to me okay. because I, don't know I already. It's more real. I, I don't agree. Think it's more We're real. Into I agree. Theological <laughs> I agree. It's not more real. I, I think of that already. Full like, presence. If it's real world stuff that's happening that we see in the real world, I have no problem watching it with Jesus. The the stuff I've talked about before, I think, I don't know if we've done on a podcast, is like watching people have sex. Like you don't watch people have sex in the real world as you go around. There's no reason to watch that on movie or show, whatever. So that's kind of where I get with the paranormal activity, the Harry Potter type of stuff is for myself. And it's not a sin to do one or the other, but if I, you know, spend my time studying in the morning, reading my Bible, reading through a book, whatever it may be. I like the mindset. It sets me out of the day. It's a good check. It's a good way to, you know, start your day, puts you in a certain mindset, right? You do mm-hmm. it at night, maybe different. One is not a sin. One is not, should you do it in the morning versus night? That's how I feel about Harry Potter, paranormal activity, whatever, is it puts you in a mindset. It puts you in a place that I would not recommend to somebody as like, you have to do, like, you have to go see this Harry Potter movie. You have to watch Paranormal Activity. Yeah. And I think Paranormal Activity, I'm being a little unfair, but you've kind of let me go there, is another step past Harry Potter. Like, for sure. And I've never seen it, but just just knowing what it's about. Um, But that's kind of what I'm talking about is more of a unwritten, unspoken feeling, which I think can be a liberty from Christian to Christian, like we've talked about in other podcasts. Is that what you would consider it a Christian liberty? Or is it something you think is like people should read this? It is helpful and beneficial. Can't can't it be both? Can't it also be sure. I think I this know. will can be it? beneficial for you in my liberty? That's the conviction I've arrived at. What about non-Christians? Should non-Christians read Harry Potter? Yes. Yeah. You think, um, it's, you think it's like a benefit? So I know I'll be brought near the kingdom. I know it's very easy to be cheeky on this on the subject for for all of us right cheeky. but in cheeky, shrimp on the bottom <laughs> i'm in, chuffed in all seriousness while i would not say that it would be wrong for somebody to not read harry potter right okay i would actually i would say it's a liberty i would say once again just to reiterate that the the magic 
it is more of a magical element, just like in Lord of the Rings or even in Narnia, having read Narnia multiple times. It, they're very similar in how they go about presenting allegorically the, the battle between good and evil, dark magic and righteousness. And there's heavy, heavy redemptive themes. We don't have time to go through and dissect all those, but heavy redemptive themes in all three of those and much other allegorical literature. Um, but I would actually strongly encourage somebody to read, maybe not Harry Potter, even though I would, but to read allegorical literature. I've encouraged many people to read The Pilgrim's Progress. Mm -hmm. uh, many, many people. And I know that there's heavier themes, just like with Narnia, I would agree. There might be heavier themes, but it's still very much allegorical, fantasy, beast emerging. Um, but I would encourage people to read this, especially to their kids or to for teenagers or young adults even who who struggle with understanding gospel themes, who 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 don't grasp and I've seen the light bulb. I've been called an allegorical preacher oftentimes, and I've seen the light bulb come on for people through narrative, through storytelling, through illustration. Um, I, I think it can't be downplayed when Spurgeon says, and he was a great allegorical preacher, that that illustrations or allegories are like windows that let the light in. That that's the truth. Like he says, a house made out of windows makes for a poor foundation. So it can't be all illustrations and analogies. Yeah, well said. But but there has to be some of that, and I think that's what's drawn a lot of people to my church. I'm sure to Adams and and other churches where we are strong in the gospel, but we have these windows in so that we can understand the gospel more clearly. It doesn't make the gospel more beautiful. It reveals the beauty of the gospel through imagery and allegory. And I, I honestly truly believe, not just trying to defend it, I believe that Harry Potter does that. I think it sets on display a epic battle between clear good, clear evil. I think there's just themes that emerge there that are incredibly redemptive. And so that's why I would encourage somebody, I wouldn't say you have to, but I would encourage somebody to read allegorical of fantasy literature and seeing redemptive themes in it and understanding the gospel more. So I have a question for Adam. When I watch, because I've watched Pilgrim's Progress, a movie, you know, version of it, all with my kids, right? Pilgrim's Progress, Narnia, movies, and Harry Potter, the first two with my kids. And I've got a four-year-old, and you cannot watch, in my opinion, and this may just be me, Pilgrim's Progress or Narnia without talking about the gospel like with my kids. It's an easy conversation, easy to explain, easy to see how they mm -hmm. connect. Never once has it come up watching Harry Potter. Never once has it crossed my mind, has it crossed their mind. They've never had a question about it. In Pilgrim's Progress, they say, oh, so it, what is that thing on his back? Why, why does he need to get that off before he gets to heaven? And they know that that's happening, right, throughout the movie. They know Aslan, you know, represents God, Jesus. And, you know, they, they know that, they see that, they ask those questions from a child's mind, a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and it's easy for me to connect those dots and explain it as a parent. So maybe I'm just stupid, but never has it ever come up with Harry Potter. Why is that if it has such strong... And what do they do? They dress up as witches, grab right. wands, and start doing Ouija boards and spells in the house. Right. It's, it's that's terrible. what Harry Potter elicits from kids. I'm not kidding. I think that's what Harry Potter elicits from kids a lot more than biblical gospel questions. Like okay, you so laugh, what's the but question? don't you agree? You know, what's no, the question I, here? I totally agree. So the uh, question is, the question is, why is that? Why, why has you, it, you and Aaron are and saying I have a question there are, after that question. Okay. There are such strong biblical themes throughout, and so much can be learned by Harry Potter from kids. I encourage you to read it to your children and watch. I want to watch the movies with my kids. Why is there such a difference? If you guys think it's the same as Pilgrim's Progress or Narnia, why is there such a difference in the connections, the obviousness, and the ease of children to understand that it has gospel truths in it? Perhaps it has something to do with the lack of imagination in the parents. And that's fine. If that's what you want to say, that's but, fine. I mean, that that's a cheap shot, but here's the real answer. It doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> here's the real answer. Um, Pilgrim's Progress, the meaning of the story is on the surface. It's in the, it's in the very names of the characters. Right. Christian and faithful, right? And you meet. Like, Nobody can argue with the purpose of that yeah, book. Mr. Yeah. Legalism, right? So the th things like this. You go over to... Narnia, it's still nearer to the surface. It's clear who Aslan is. It's clear his his father from over the sea sent him to Narnia. It's clear he created Narnia, so you get that. Lord of the Rings, it's under the surface. Yeah. Uh, intentionally. Which, intentionally by the author. Authorial intent matters. Uh, so it can apply to many different realms of Christian experience. And Harry Potter, I think, is another layer deeper, similar to Tolkien's work, 
it might at first, you've seen, I commend you for not going further than the second movie with your kids. My sons, uh, nine and five, have not seen any of them. Good. Um, simply because I think it's too dark for them. <laughs> Watch it. And uh, I'm I'm often very surprised and almost let down that so many parents let their kids watch such crap so young, for lack of a better term. Uh, but as you progress through the movies, the individual fanciful tales that are present in the first, second, third movie, by the time you get to the third or fourth book and movie in the Potter series, there's a transition where there's a larger awareness of a bigger reality going on between good and evil, and we must choose sides. The good part is very hard. The bad part is very easy uh, to just go along with. But then when you get to the end and you're sitting with your kids, one day you can watch this or read it together. And when you hear Dumbledore say about Harry, I have raised him from a baby like a lamb to be led to slaughter, how can you not go straight to the gospel from that image? And it's incredibly apparent that Harry then, I mean, spoiler alert, dies, raises from death to defeat death. It's a gospel story. And rolling on the Today Show back in like 2004, um, I watched this. Uh, she was being interviewed by Matt Lauer, of all people. And uh, the seventh book had just come out. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's the right date. But he said, tell us about the book. How does it end? That was his first question. It was a horrible interview question. Idiot. Um, <laughs> and she said, I'm not going to tell you how it ends. And he goes, okay, you're a member of the Church of England, aren't you? And he's just like trying to bait her. And she says, yes. At, at the time, now Aaron says that she's switched Scotland, to the Church of yeah. Scotland. Um, similar, almost, in belief. But she she responds by saying, I'm not going to tell you what I believe, because if I do, you're going to know how the book ends. Wow. Authorial intent means she's purposely saying, I have written a story, uh, lowercase s, to point people to the story, capital S, of Christ. Yeah. D didn't answer the question. Okay, I'll answer. I'll answer. Question answer. Briefly, totally no. answered the Good question. Answer. No, that's a great answer to the yeah. overall question of the podcast. Look, but I, why? I love it. I, I loved Shocker. everything that Adam had to say. Clearly, I love it. But um, and I love Adam. Uh, superpowers. <laughs> love you too, bro. Um, but uh, but I see. I think he did answer a question in that it takes a little more work to look at Lord of the Rings and to look at Harry Potter because the author's intent was to write them more veiled. Like um, if, you, if you read about Tolkien and Lewis, Lewis loved allegory. Tolkien hated allegory. He didn't want to be part. preachy. Yeah, he did not. So he wanted, and Andrew Peterson says he's the same way. And Milton was the same way where they wanted theirs to be much more veiled and where you had to do some work to see it. You have to, to look see. through the demonic witchcraft to get to it. <laughs> sure. You had to. Where you, you, well, Iron Man is also Jesus, right? I mean, that Marvel, I mean, Marvel is he, also he, good versus Superman. evil. I was going dying, to say. Coming back to life. It's like, yeah. you can you can try to put that I, that on everything. If I, if I could, that's what I was about to say. Okay. That that's every good, movie good that we watch, every book that we should read, we should be proactive in our children of pointing out good versus evil, yeah. redemptive themes, gospel influence. And we should do that. Whether Now, clearly, a lot of authors' intent was not to portray the grand story, but you could argue that almost every work of fiction points to the reality of brokenness, despair, darkness in the world. And contrasting what Adam said, and I'm sure people can rip me apart for this if they want to, my children are six and four and two, and they've watched the first six of the Harry Potter films already. Um, and I base it, and, and feel free to correct me, but I base it a lot of it on... He already has. When, when Lewis says, uh, since it is so likely that children will meet cruel enemies. Yeah. And it's it's not just so likely. They will. They're going they to will. see darkness. They're they going will. to see devastation. They're going to see the effects of sin on the world. And they'll see it in the mirror. Yes. Let them at least have heard of brave knights and heroic courage. Otherwise, you are making their destiny not brighter but darker. And so to me, I want my children from a young age to be... And and you're, if you're a listener or anybody in this room, you're welcome to disagree. But I want my children from a young age to to come to grips with evil and right and wrong, 
good and evil, courage and fear. Paw Patrol can do all that. Not nearly as effectively, if we're being serious. It can, but it's in a small version. It's not the intent. It is certainly far deeper than if we're talking about surface (laughs) level, medium, and deeper. So sure, you can. You can sit down with your kid and talk through a cartoon, a show about themes of good and evil. Um, But I think the clearer the distinction in any movie you're writing between good and evil, the the like the the line there is becoming more and more blurred today in, in a lot of writing and a lot of media. And the clearer that distinction is, it's, I would argue it's very, very clear in Harry Potter. It's very clear in Lord of the Rings. It's very clear in Narnia. Um, the, the distinction between good and evil and that we are cheering for hoping. Like Harry Potter, ultimately, just like Lord of the Rings, is a story about hope and and love and victory over evil. So is everything ultimate. else. But like, so Harry being yeah, Jesus, true. no issue, no no issue to you. Well, Harry, if, Harry if being you, Jesus. So if I'm teaching my kids, like, this is the redemptive story of the gospel, watch it. And they're not going to watch Harry closely. And now they're going to think Jesus is Harry Potter. Like, I no, think no, no, I, a no. child's True mind goes gives more like that. Guidelines than that. I yeah. guess. But I mean, there's only well, so just, much you can I control hope my kids in your kids' mind. Aslan is Jesus. Either. I agree. But, it, would, but if they thought that that was a sure. depiction of Jesus, they walk away with a different mindset than Harry being a depiction of Jesus. Would you agree or disagree? Disagree. I, I, I disagree. Okay. So you think yeah. Aslan and Harry kind of gave the same, um, personal characteristics and how they act and how they are very different no no they're they're very they're very different i think that i think that harry potter focuses in a lot more on if i can without getting too theological on the humanity of jesus that um he's sinful no 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 no. well i mean no no illustration including aslan is perfect perfect i agree i agree but Um, do they show aslan being sinful over and over and over again through the movie so what we're saying is that harry Harry potter harry potter like gideon in the old testament or Abraham is a type. It's it's pointing to a great redeemer. A, but he is the lamb that was raised up and died and rose again to defeat death. Similar to <laughs> Abraham's son Isaac. Yes. Who is a mess in his own right. Yes. And didn't save the world like Jesus did. No. But it was a preview of the one who did. So a good parent would watch it and say, He's, This I, is I take not Jesus. To the predicate of- this is <laughs> like Jesus. Let's go to the real story now that you've had a preview Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Right? Like, no, actually, yeah. wrong. Good parenting would just pass on Harry Potter <laughs> and pick other movies or the Bible itself to explain what Jesus is like. Yeah. No, so obviously we would disagree, and there's listeners that would disagree on this, but I I would say that just as Harry Potter was born, um, hey, look, with, with a mark of love from his mother upon him, with a mission to fulfill, to conquer evil— that those are very purposeful themes that are coming through that the son of God in a truer and better, far truer and better sense that the son of God was born with the mark of love of his father upon him to fulfill the mission of his father in the mm-hmm. world to conquer evil for all time. There are purely redemptive themes there that help my kids. And I would, I would argue any kids and any teenagers and even any adults to understand more and see the depth and beauty of the gospel. It is not a replacement. Harry Potter is not Jesus. Aslan is not Jesus. Um, Aragorn? Would he be like the the redemptive? Every character in Lord of the Rings can fit prophet, priest, and king. Okay. There you go. So um, I'm just saying. Like, which is why it's the ultimate epic. Who's greater Gollum? than all of these things? Which one's Gollum? <laughs> oh. That's all you. Three. You're, you're Gollum. All three. You you're Gollum. Are. I think that I've been parented well today by you yes. and superpowers. Hold on. I, I do, do want to answer the question that, that came in from a listener. And on, I have another I, question. No, I will, How but I just want to say, yeah. I just want to say, I understand your perspective. I see it more now. I didn't see it myself. I didn't read the books. So that may be one reason sure. why and just seeing the movies. Um, and I'll never read the books. Uh, so I'll, I can understand that. You. And I think that, I think <laughs> that this can be applied to lots of things, not just Harry Potter, kind oh, of how we've, sure. how we've for already sure. um, yeah. dove into a little bit. Jeff, what's the question you had? And then we'll get to our list. So you said uh, in Harry Potter, it's, it's not the witchcraft of the Bible. It's more like magic. Sure. Isn't there a story in the New Testament about someone who was was doing magic? Simon the magician. Simon the magician. And what 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 happened around that story? Like, did they condemn that or? Yeah, Simon the sorcerer, yeah. and it was clearly the so the biblical understanding of sorcery and witchcraft is that it is from an outside influence infiltrating or influencing the individual to perform things that are not inherent to them. Like you're not born demon possessed or demon influenced, um, where, where it's different with something like Superman, for example, or Harry what Potter. What about like, like a devil. kid's mind? Do they understand what, from me, within I, or without? I, I, like look, they see magic. Just, for real, I think we have to be proactive in catechizing our children and having these discussions with them. Like, 
But when we look at somebody like Superman, who has these these incredible powers, and I, you know, he was created to be a, G, a type of Jesus. That's why it's uh, Kalel is his name. Uh, it, you know, it's very clear from that author's intent. You you look at this and you go, Harry Potter was kind of born, and and even the witches and wizards, the the sorcerers, the magicians, whatever you want to. The use. magicians of Pharaoh, you could apply all the same things. Yeah, yeah. So anything anything in scripture, it's outside influence with something like Harry Potter, Superman, or others, they're, they're born with a special ability to mm. perform. No, they are. They're, they're or, born special... or did the devil go through him and give him some of his powers? Not according to the story. So that, doesn't that image fall apart though with Iron Man? He wasn't born with any of this. It's just Correct. all the money that made him super. Correct. But what or about Batman? And actually his injury powers. I'm rich. But what about what about the fact that didn't Voldemort go through Harry and that's why he has some of the powers that he has because they came from, from the big V. Checkmate. <laughs> all um, right we're gonna end the podcast <laughs> thank you for joining us man. no there's definitely a mag- isn't that from an outside demonic source that he got some of his powers well even Voldemort, it wouldn't be even though he's the a picture of evil it wouldn't be a i don't want to spoil this if you haven't read harry potter or whatever, we already but, spoiled the uh, end. yeah um but while he's evil it's not a picture he did not he's not being possessed by something he is a bad wizard he's a bad person and so, and of course, there's fantastical elements to him, not to him coming and channeling Harry and whatever. Um, it's not the same as what we see if we're going to be consistent. When we see uh, the Deuteronomy passage, we look at Ephesians, uh, but Ephesians uh, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. Like you look at these types of things, you have to then define what are the unfruitful works of darkness? Like what is this biblically? And Simon the sorcerer and the, the, magicians of of Egypt or sorcerers of Egypt these are influenced by by the evil one inhabited by the evil one doing witchcraft sorcery through the power of the evil one and so there's a clear difference between what we see in um from Gandalf the gray or the white um and what we see from the magic in chronicles and what we see in the magic of Harry Potter from that so if it's an allegory and Voldemort went through Harry, who went through Jesus? Who who gave special it just power falls apart to all, Jesus? All allegories fall apart. Yeah, so, yeah for sure. So Checkmate. Which okay. is why they're just lit, lowercase s stories that point to the capital S. Right. Yes. And I think yes. that's, I guess, the takeaway is that make sure we're catechizing our kids. Has to. And do our best to point every story to Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Cool. Oh, no. Question. Oh, yeah. Just to get to it really quick. Yeah. The question that came in which I think is a good question is, is the, is magic real? Yes. Okay. So the answer <laughs> to that is yes, magic is real. Um, now to, to the extent that Harry Potter and what we see in Harry Potter, obviously the occultic realm is real, which I've tried to divorce from Harry Potter, but also obviously you have magicians, you have sleight of hand, you have fantastical feats that are done. Typically they're very naturally explained. Um, the supernatural realm is real as well, though. Um, and when the question continued from the listener of how do we separate something like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings from the fantastical supernatural events that we see in Scripture, and we have to separate what I would call uh, imaginative reality or fantasy reality, meaning that spe- like these these stories are speaking of truths, they're pointing us to truths. From we have to separate that from historical reality, and we look at the scriptures. We're talking about historical events that took place: um, a donkey talking, the Red Sea parting, you know, a whale. If you want to say that's supernatural, a whale swallowing a man and then regurgitating him up on land, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. These are historical realities that legitimately happened, whereas the realm of literature and fantasy are speaking of greater truths, testifying to truths um, that didn't necessarily happen in this world, historically speaking, but they certainly have happened and their redemption has happened. And Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or Narnia is pointing us forward to that. And so that's how I'd make that distinction. I mean, is there anything that you would throw in there on top of that superpower? Probably that, I mean, this, going to the nature of evil, evil is not original itself evil is always a manipulation of something that is good and so this is what we see Voldemort was not always evil he was a good young student that turned bad 
Lucifer was an angel that fell, right? So everything that is evil is a twist of something that is good. And we can trace it all back to the origin there. That that might just be a little distinction sure. and nuance, but that might take us on a different direction. So to go back to the listener's question, if is magic real? And let's say someone is actually not sleight of hand, but actually whether it's a voodoo doll or, or something like there's something supernatural that would not be of, of God. So that would be demonic in nature. So to, ma- to be straight up, the magic that you see in Harry Potter is not found in any sorcery, witchcraft that exists in the world. Yeah. I, th- I don't that think people are born witches and wizards. So that magic you would say, you would just say is clearly from the intent of the author meant to be a prop to push the story forward. Yeah. I'm talking about in real world. Yeah, yeah real, real world. If, I think that's what there, the listener is asking. If there is sorcery, there, certainly there is dark magic that exists. There, there's sorcery that exists. Um, that would be wicked. That would be an influence from an outside source, from demonic source, um, that is causing people to act or to behave and or to do things in a certain way. And that is that's very real, and it's something that should be um, that we should guard against for sure. Yeah, um, and point people to the true magic. Yeah, the deeper the magic. Deep magic. The deep magic. It goes before back time. before time. Before time. Um, Dang, we didn't even talk about Star Wars or the Force. Oh, my oh, gosh. Man, that's... man, I love Jar Jar. All right. He's the best character. Right, for, ne- for next time, we'll talk about Star Wars, gospel themes in Star Wars. Um, Jeff, thanks for being <laughs> on with us today, man. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I feel I feel like you added a lot to your conversation. Did I? <laughs> You're a little cheeky. <laughs> Superpowers. Another shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> Just wanted to get that in one more time. Always, always a pleasure, man. I think that's Danny Van. Thanks for recording us today. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Hey. Uh, that's it for today, folks. Until next time, if you come back next time. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Odds is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.